I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family as ever. I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be discussing all the latest Arsenal-related transfer reports. I was going to say news, but they are reports really, aren't they? Because um, it's still very, very early on in terms of the business that we expect to be done this summer. The current season is still ongoing. It's not come to its conclusion yet. But even still, it feels like the transfer chat is very much in full swing. So I want to cover this stuff and I want to be across this stuff. I want to make sure that we discuss it in the way that, um, you know, that we should. But at the same time, you know, there's, there's some of it coming out that maybe doesn't make as much sense as as maybe some of the other stories doing the rounds. And and so what I will say is take a lot of this with a pinch of salt right now because of the timing. Now, I know clubs will want to get their ducks in order going into the summer. And I know clubs will be working behind the scenes towards what they already know that they want to do. But yeah, it's just, um, you know, I remember in previous seasons getting to the point where, you know, towards the back end of the campaign, the transfer talk started. But I don't remember it being to this extent, is it just me? Have I like put all of that behind me? Because I always say to you guys, don't know that by the time we get to the end of a transfer window, I'm sick of it, like genuinely just fed up of it. And all I want to talk about and focus back on is the football. Maybe I'm feeling a little bit of that right now. Maybe I'm struggling to process the kind of fall away from Arsenal, the fact that, you know, having been in a really strong position, we're not going to win the Premier League now. And, uh, and perhaps that's impacted on, on my mood and my thinking and I guess my tolerance level to this kind of chat. But we do have to cover it because there is a lot of it um, sort of going around at the moment. There have been tons of reports uh, coming out with regards to Arsenal just over the last few days alone. And what we're going to try and do on this episode is pick up the ones that have um, have gained that little bit more traction, um, of course, over the last few days. Uh, we're going to talk Granit Xhaka. We're going to talk Martin Odegaard. We're going to talk following Balogun. We're going to touch on Xavi Simmons as well, the PSV Eindhoven man who is being linked uh, with a move to Arsenal as well. There's a lot for us to unpack on this one edition of the show. Now, we brought you an episode yesterday in which we talked Rice, Caicedo, Reese Nelson in particular. But later on in the day, the Granit Xhaka news was picked up by Fabrizio Romano, which added that little bit more sort of credibility to the initial story I guess or backed up the initial story um, because I know there are a lot of people out there that swear by Fabrizio Romano and, and what he tweets posts etc etc um, we also had confirmation that following Balogun has pledged his allegiance to the United States in terms of international football so we'll get on to that because I think that has a big impact by the way on what we do with following Balogun this summer, what we should do with him. So we'll get into all of that as well. And we'll also react to the news that Arsenal have opened contract talks with Martin Odegaard, who has, I think, still two years left on his deal, but the club have a, an option to extend that by a further year. So actually, in essence, it's three years. But Arsenal looking to be proactive again, as they have done over the last sort of 12 months, uh, to try and tie down a very, very important player. Let's say a few hellos. Um, big hello to Viju, who's with us, to Hey Lord, to Afsar. Uh, we've got Derek with us. Um, Junior Gunner says, good to see you, H. I know the Xhaka news must have broken your heart. It's one of those stories that I've not really wanted to accept, I think. Um, 
because to me it just it just doesn't make any sense um you know not for anybody not for Xhaka to have gone through all of that and uh, to get himself into a position where he's now revered by the fans appreciated by the fans Arsenal back in the Champions League and he's going to go now it, it, to me it doesn't make sense but we'll come on to that in a bit more detail in a minute big hello to Mafia Boss uh, big hello to Alex who says damn haven't been around for a live stream in ages hope you're all doing well Harry thank you so much mate really really appreciate it um, yeah the live streams have been at 4.30ish uh, in the afternoon over the last few weeks, but just yesterday and today because of sort of being on the travel um, when it comes to work, I've not been able to honour that time, but obviously I want to make sure that I get an episode out every weekday now. So if that means jumping around, like I'll, I'll try my best. And I said, I will try my best to try and stick to that time, but it is just impossible for me to always be at my desk at that time on every single day. So we will have to get a little bit creative, obviously with the transfer stuff. A lot of it is quite time sensitive as well. Um, you know, so I feel like we, we're better off striking while the iron's hot on certain stories. And if that means we're going to move it a little bit around in the summer, then so be it as well. Um, just a heads up on that. Uh, big hello to uh, Wes Bird, who's at work, but watching on the quiet. <laughs> nice one. Uh, big hello to Third Eye, to Archangel, to Afsar, um, and to everybody else joining us live in the chat box right now. Good to see uh, so many of you with us as always. If I could just ask before we dive right into the stories, leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. Subscribe to the channel as well if your brand's banking you. It really, really does help. And if you're listening on audio, well, please do leave us a review too. Um, that is very, very much appreciated. So right, anyway, let's start with Granite Jacker. And I've got to give some credit here. Uh, to my colleague at 90 Men, Graham Bailey, who uh, reported that Granit Xhaka would probably be leaving the club um, a few days ago and, and really did get there before this started being picked up by multiple outlets and, in some people's eyes, confirmed by Fabrizio Romano uh, just yesterday. So a big shout-out to Graham. Fantastic at what he does. Brilliant colleague and... Um, Whilst I'm not chuffed about what the story says, I'm chuffed for him um, that that has uh, that has seemingly been um, accurate, and and people are are obviously picking up on that, which suggests that this move could very much happen. But what are my thoughts on this? I mean, we've talked about it before. There was a video, there was an episode out a few days ago called um, "Why Arsenal Must Not Sell Granite Jacker" or something along those lines because I really don't think this makes any sense. And what people were saying to me uh, sort of when when I said, no, no, this is nonsense, he's not going anywhere. One of the things that was told to me was, no, actually, this is this is being driven by Granit Xhaka. This is not being driven by Arsenal Football Club. This is being driven by Granit Xhaka, who has already informed Mikel Arteta of his intentions to depart Arsenal Football Club over the course of this transfer window. And to me, again, that doesn't make sense. You know, to, to get your head down, knuckle down, bounce back from what he bounced back from. And then once you get out the other side where things are looking a lot more positive, you know, you're you're going to play in the Champions League, et cetera, et cetera, to then leave, to me, doesn't make an awful lot of sense. Now, some of the suggestions are that looking at who Arsenal are planning to move for this summer, Declan Rice has been linked, Moises Caicedo has been linked. Granit Xhaka feels that his game time could be impacted by that. 
And so this is a, a decision based on football. Others have suggested that this is a decision based on his family and the fact that they want to return back to Germany. That could be a factor here as well. And we know that Granit Xhaka has been through the mill at Arsenal Football Club. We know that he has always talked of how much he cares for his family and, and that he wants to protect them when needed. And he might feel that, you know, this is the best thing for everybody involved. You know, he probably feels like if Rice comes in, if Caicedo comes in, game time will be limited for him. And this presents an opportunity to go back to Germany, play for a big club in Germany, a club that are, are doing very well in the Europa League semi-final, um, have a promising young manager in Xabi Alonso if he's there at the start of next season. And, um, and you know, it gives him an opportunity to, to tick a lot of boxes. And, and that makes sense, you know, when I think about it in terms of the the sort of the broader picture. Maybe it's just me not wanting to accept it. I think that's what it is because you guys will know I've defended Granit Xhaka so much during his Arsenal career. I've been somebody who's often felt that, you know, the, the grief that he gets, the abuse that he gets has never really been fair. Um, I've never felt that he's been our biggest problem. I've never felt that he was as bad as people made him out to be. And I thought that the treatment that he received was unfair. And I also remember getting a lot of backlash for suggesting that the way the fans reacted that day against Crystal Palace was as bad as what Granit Xhaka did in terms of like sort of cupping his ear towards the crowd and sort of winding them up because he'd been receiving that treatment for a little while. It wasn't just that game. That was the boiling point, but it had been going on prior to that as well. And the truth is that the team was a mess at that point. The management was weak. The decision to make him captain was one that was made based on a player vote, which showed weakness in the management in itself. I want a manager to come in and say, he's the captain. Don't leave it down to a popularity contest. And, and because of all of that, you know, I, I felt that the treatment of him, as I say, was unfair. He's come out the other side of it, as I say. His stock has risen in terms of how people see him. I think the change in position has made the world of difference um, there. And, um, and you know, it'll be a shame to lose him now because my big thing this summer is, is not that there aren't better players than Granit Xhaka out there. Of course there are. You know, Declan Rice would be an upgrade. Moises Caicedo would be, in a lot of people's eyes, an upgrade. It's not that. But what I want is the squad to become deeper and stronger. And what I want is for us to have multiple options in those positions so that when we need to rotate or we are without certain players, we're not instantly weakened to the point where we are on our knees. Whenever we've been without Granit Xhaka this season, we've been really, really poor and we've struggled. Whenever we've been without Thomas Partey, we've struggled. We, we, we don't have that strength in depth. And ultimately, that is what has cost us over the course of this season. We don't have the strength and depth to be able to compete at the highest level and perform at the highest level every single week because when we're forced into changes, they impact the team. And when we want to try and refresh things, the people that we bring in are not necessarily as good as the ones that we're taking out. And, and you know, sometimes you can get away with it. You know, for a few weeks, Jorginho looked like a world beater in centre midfield, played against Brighton the other day. I know some people have suggested that my sort of analysis or assessment of his performance was a little bit harsh, but I think you saw all of the reasons why Jorginho 
isn't the same as Thomas Partey and why he isn't a like-for-like -like replacement and why he isn't somebody that you can rely on over a long period of time. And again, it's not necessarily because he's a bad player. Play him in a different system, in a different team, it probably doesn't shine such a bright light on his flaws and his weaknesses and his shortcomings. But, you know, the way we want to play with that one sort of deep-lying midfield player, we need someone who's a lot more mobile and we need someone who's a lot more dynamic. And Thomas Partey at his best is that. We know his form's dropped off a cliff. But if you had someone that you could bring in of a good level, then you could have made that change and refreshed it that little bit earlier. You could have taken Thomas Partey out of certain games when you could see that his form wasn't quite there or he was suffering from a bit of fatigue, whatever. And you could have made those changes sooner. You could have been proactive in making those changes rather than reactive after the event, after we'd already lost points, after we'd already put in some really disappointing performances. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's going to be a shame because if you think about the fee that's being spoken about, which I believe is £10 million or so, 12-ish million euros is, is what we're hearing, that doesn't even make a dent. You know, that doesn't even... That doesn't even stretch in terms of being able to bring in someone who would be a squad player. You would never get a player as good as Granit Xhaka to be a part of your squad for the price that we're supposedly going to sell him to buy Leverkusen for. So what I think has happened here, sort of reading the stories, listening to people speak about it, and obviously reading in between the lines or trying to, is that obviously Granit Xhaka has made it clear to the club that you know he wants to go. Um, he feels that his future is back in Germany. He feels that the, that would be the best move for him and his family. And out of a sense of loyalty because of the fact that Arsenal were able to convince him to make that U-turn and to stay even when he didn't want to, Arsenal and Mikel Arteta probably is driving this, have gone, well, look, he stayed when we needed him to because, you know, we begged him. And, and we asked him to do that job and he did it professionally. He did it without complaint. And look at the level of performance and commitment he's shown over the course of the season. So we owe it to him now to facilitate this move, even if it means we get less money than, you know, we'd need to replace him. Now, as I keep saying, that money doesn't go very far in terms of trying to bring somebody else in, um, but it's probably to do with the salary that Granite Jack is on as well, because obviously we'll save on that, which allows you to then put somebody else in the squad. For example, you look at the money that Moises Caicedo is on at Brighton, he would not come into Arsenal on a higher salary than Granit Xhaka. So saving Granit Xhaka's salary pays Moises Caicedo. So you can understand the logic in that sense, even if it's not with regards to getting a transfer fee and that will particularly help us when trying to bring those players in. But let's get some of your thoughts from the comments as well uh, with regards to this um, this room, oh, I say rumour, this story um, linking Granit Xhaka with an imminent move away from Arsenal. Um, third Eyeboy85 uh, in the chat says, what he did didn't affect me one bit. It didn't affect me either. And if you go back to the podcast and shows that we did at the time, you'll gather that from what I said. Actually, what annoyed me was the state of what had happened. Like just the whole state of the club was visible there when the fans were acting that way, players were acting that way. It just showed you that everything was rotten to the core. Everything was wrong. And everything needed ripping up and we needed to kick it all off again. Um, but I agree on a personal level, I was over it pretty quickly. I know there were a lot of Arsenal fans that were outraged and said, you know, well, he can't ever play for this club again. He did this, he did that to me. It wasn't that big a deal. 
I think it was raw emotion from someone who plays with his heart on his sleeve, as we've come to learn over the years. And um, and there was no point really um, sort of making as big a deal out of it as a lot of people did. Uh, James Bond says, uh, gutted to see him go, Harry, won't lie. Big hello to Ignatius as well, who joins us uh, from the States. Hope you're good, my friend. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Viju, going back to the Xhaka Palace incident, says... The Palace game meltdown was just an, a culmination that was a result of despicable fan abuse and threats. Emery was at fault by playing him through his bad form, which enraged the despicable fans even more. Alistair Ben says, for me, I would rather keep Xhaka and sell Partey. It depends on what we get in, doesn't it, in terms of profiles? Um, you know, I... I'm not saying that Thomas Partey doesn't have a future at Arsenal Football Club because I think he's a wonderful player. And I've repeatedly said on here that for me, he's one of the most important cogs in the Arsenal machine. We've had to take him out in the last few weeks. But um, yeah, you know, he, he's he been superb for three quarters, if not more, of the season. 90-odd percent of the season, 85% odd of the season. To write him off, I think, would be silly. Um, but I don't want to lose credit Xhaka either, to be honest. I want to keep both of them because as I keep saying, I want the squad to get better and stronger. I don't want it to be weaker. Um, I want us to build on the baseline of success that we've managed to achieve and, and have built this season. We've got a team there that when everybody's fit is really good. Beyond that, we struggle a little bit. There are a few areas in the team that we could upgrade on, I feel. Centre midfield, and probably Xhaka in particular is one of those where we could go up to the next level. I'd argue with Partey, we could go up to the next level as well based on his recent form. So let's do that. But let's not lose what we already have and what we've already worked towards and what we've already built because that is what's put us in a position now where we're back in the Champions League. We could springboard on further. And we've challenged the Manchester City side that are just unreal in terms of the quality that they have. Um, what else have we got? Um, name just on the Partey thing says Thomas Partey hasn't been Thomas Partey since March. I don't, um, I don't, um, I don't disagree with that. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Wandering Minstrel says big loss if he goes. Yeah, it absolutely would be. Um, Wesbird says on Jack at 18 to 20 million pounds would be fairer. I agree based on the value that he brings to Arsenal and, and how he's performed this season. But as I always say, you're only worth what someone's willing to pay for you. And clearly, Bayer Leverkusen aren't willing to pay any more. They understand the contract situation, which isn't the worst, by the way, in terms of having to move someone on because you're desperate right at the last minute. But I think what Bayer Leverkusen clearly understand, based on the fact that they've they've entered talks for such a, a sort of minimal fee, it must be the case that Granit Xhaka has told them that he is going to make it 100% clear to Arsenal that he wants out. And because he's made it clear, Bayer Leverkusen know that Granit Xhaka has got Arsenal basically in a corner and probably understand the dynamic between him and Mikel Arteta and that Mikel Arteta convinced him to stay and Granit Xhaka probably having stayed now with you know, having come back from a position where he had one foot out the door doesn't feel like he owes Arteta or Arsenal anything. Um, and, and so Leverkusen will understand the dynamic of the entire thing and that will play a part in the offer that they make, of course. Um, 
what else have we got? Uh, Robert, how you doing, mate? He says uh, 10 to 12 million euros for Granite Xhaka is petty cash. I can't believe two years ago I'd now be shaking his hand and um, wishing him the best. We now need... He says, I couldn't believe... I can't believe that two years ago um, I'd now be shaking his hand and wishing him the best. We now need three top midfielders to add to Partey. Enormous summer um, is uh, is needed. Um, Amira says, I was internally crying for hours yesterday. Not my favourite player by any means, but his redemption arc and not winning the PL in the end after fans said we'd never win trophies with him hurts. Not going to lie. Um, yeah, I mean, I think... I think it is sad that we didn't manage to kind of finish off his redemption arc, if you like. But, you know, he'll he'll always be welcome back at Arsenal now. And he'll always be regarded as um, as someone who gave his all for the club. And, and that wouldn't have been the case, as, as Rob highlighted, you know, two years ago. So, you know, the, the redemption has happened. It wasn't finished with the cherry on the top in the way that we'd have liked it to be. But, you know, I think... Overall, he's in a much better place and, and we're in a much better place. And, you know, we've achieved that together, I guess. Um, Haydor says, Harry, with Xhaka possibly leaving, wouldn't you agree that more leadership is needed when signing new players? Agreed. You know, if we did get Declan Rice, I'd like to think that he is a leader, having been West Ham United captain, that would slot straight back in. Um, you know, you need leadership, you need that kind of mentality, you need players that are willing to take responsibility and you need players that are happy to to take it on the chest and and sort of front the crap that you sometimes get, you know, when uh, you're playing for a, a big football club. It's, it's, it's just part of the makeup that you need to be successful and, um, and Granit Xhaka had that. Didn't always have it though. I think over the last 12 to 18 months, because he's become less rash, he's been able to to be more of a leader and people have probably taken that a little bit more seriously. You can bark out all the instructions you like. You can go around beating your chest as much as you like. But then if you go make a stupid challenge and get yourself sent off for no reason or get involved in a scrap that leads to you being disciplined, what you've actually done is, is almost contradicted the fact that you've put yourself across as a leader. But over the last year, certainly, Granite Jack has been so good that he's been able to um, to be that leader. And over time, that respect for him has grown and grown and grown and developed because people look at him and go, yeah, you know what? You, you are a leader. You're leading by example. You're not just talking a good game. You're playing a good game as well. And um, I think that's been that's been really, really important. But yeah, that's the Xhaka bit. It looks like Granit Xhaka is off. Um, it looks like he will be headed to Bayer Leverkusen. What I will say, and listen, I've congratulated Graham on the story. Um, I'm, I'm taking this one quite seriously based on uh, sort of Graham's report, but also the fact that it's being picked up by many others and it seems to be um, something that's got a lot of legs. But at the same time, I will finish the Granit Xhaka section on this note. This isn't the first time that he's been out the door and that he's signed for another club. Over the last two summer transfer windows, we heard this with regards to Roma and um, and we've heard it with other clubs too. Munchen Gladbach has said to have been interested in the past again. So what I'm going to say is 
this is probably going to happen, but it isn't done yet. And, you know, we don't need to start with the kind of um, obituary style tributes to Granite Xhaka just yet, because as far as it stands right now, on the 17th of May at 11.43 a.m., while we're live, he is still an Arsenal player. And those talks between Arsenal and Leverkusen could collapse. You never know. They might not cough up what Granite Xhaka wants in terms of salary and contract terms. So there's still a lot that could happen here. So just um, just kind of reserve uh, the sort of the overriding or, or, or final conclusion slash judgment on this because things could still change. Uh, Derek says, how much is Xhaka worth? This is a good question because we're sitting here and we're saying, well, he's not worth... Um, the 10 or 12 million euros that is being talked about. And actually it should be more, but how much more? Well, I guess in my head going into the summer, when I was kind of thinking about how much everyone was worth, because I wanted to do a podcast of breaking down who we can sell, probably what they're worth. And I've said this before, don't want to blow my own trumpet, but I'm normally quite good on valuations. I think um, I've normally been very close to the mark with these things. I'm going to say when it comes to Granite Xhaka that in the wider market, so forget this idea of him really pushing for this move from his side. He probably is worth about 20 to 23 million pounds because of his age, because of his profile, because of his leadership, because of his contract situation. When you factor all of those things, You've got to factor in his status in international football as well, because I think that plays a big part, Swiss captain. Um, that that adds to the value, in my opinion, as well. It's kind of like, you know, when you go and buy a house and there's like, you see the agents break down, there'll be like some headlines like, you know, three beds, semi-detached or, you know, house with pool or whatever. Like there's always that line, isn't there, that tries to grab you. And I think there are a few lines that you could put if you were compiling a kind of um, a sales sheet for Granite Xhaka. And, uh, and that international captaincy would be one of those for me. So I think anything between 20 to 23 million pounds is probably a lot more, a lot fairer. But again, you're only worth what someone's willing to pay. And if he is really pushing for this move, it feels like Arsenal are going to facilitate that. And, and probably out of a loyalty that they feel um, they need to show and display because of how things had gone in the past. The fact that he was on the verge of an exit, the fact that he was talked around and the fact that this message was put across of, I need you right now, please don't go. Um, you know, he probably feels like he's in a, a strong position now to negotiate and, and to dictate and to, you know, be the manager of his own destiny, I guess. And um, Leverkusen seemingly um, appeals to him. But hey, that's where we are on Granite Xhaka. Um, let's take a really, really short pause. Quick message from our sponsor and we'll be back. We're going to talk Martin Odegaard. We're going to talk uh, Javi Simmons and uh, and we're going to take some of your questions and thoughts as well from the live chat. Be back in a sec. Don't forget the Chronicles of Aguna podcast is brought to you by the good people over at NordVPN, the virtual private network service. It costs the price of a cup of coffee per month and it opens so many doors. If you're surfing the World Wide Web, if you're putting details in, if you're making transactions, using NordVPN provides you with an additional layer of security and it keeps those scam artists away. 
The other thing that NordVPN uh, does as well is, uh, of course, allow you to change your virtual location, allow it, allowing you to trick your browser into thinking that you're somewhere else in the world. And that is a fantastic tool. Why? Because you can access streams, TV shows, movies, content, subscriptions that aren't normally available in your location, that are geo-blocked as such. Now, a good example of this is when I like to, on the odd occasion, watch a bit of Greek football. I want to access those matches. I look for the iPlayer uh, of the relevant channels and I can't access them because I'm in the UK and they're geo-blocked. So what do I do? I change my location to Greece or to Cyprus, depending on what I want to watch. And my browser allows me to access that content. If I'm looking for flights abroad, sometimes I change my location to the place I'm going and often I can find flights at a cheaper price. Those are just some of the many benefits that you get with NordVPN, uh, extra safety, uh, the ability to change your virtual location and the ability to access content that you'd never normally get. Add to that, it's the best VPN service out there in terms of speed and reliability. Uh, and as I say, it costs just the price of a cup of coffee per month. With the Chronicles of Aguna discount, if you sign up via the link in the description, uh, which is nordvpn.com forward slash Chronicles AFC, you'll not only get a huge discount, but you'll also get four additional months for free on the end of your plan. So check it out, nordvpn.com forward slash Chronicles AFC. We thank them for their support of the podcast. As I always say, any questions, hit me up because I am a user of it and I will swear by it now. It's just the way it goes. It's brilliant. NordVPN, thank you for your sponsorship. Okay, we are back, back to the football chat. So we've discussed Granite Xhaka at length following the news um, that's been doing the rounds over the last sort of uh, few days and has really gathered pace in the last sort of 24 hours or so. But what else is being said? What else is being reported about the mighty Arsenal? Let's talk following Balogun first and foremost, uh, because it was revealed yesterday that he has declared his international football allegiance to the United States of America. Now, he was previously associated with England. Of course, he's qualified to play for both, but he has chosen uh, to join the US men's national team instead. Uh, why? Um, well, probably feels he's going to get more game time. Probably feels like it's a, an opportunity for him to really establish himself as a senior international and I think the appeal of kind of be becoming potentially the poster boy of the U.S. men's national team is something that, you know, a lot of players would would struggle to resist. I think that Balogun has shown this season out on loan in France that he can play at a really high level, that he can produce goals, that he um, is a, an asset to wherever he ends up. And for what it's worth, I think Arsenal are probably going to sell him this summer. But the reason I think this is quite significant news for the Gunners, the fact that he's declared for the US, is because I think this adds to his transfer value significantly. I do. Now, you might think, why? You know, why, why does this make a difference? Actually, I've seen some people on Twitter suggesting that it shows a lack of ambition on his part, the fact that he wants to play for the US um, and not, and not England. Um, and and to me, that's a nonsense because, you know, if he's not going to play um, for England, then he's just going to be in the wilderness. Now, I agree that the, the, the level of the English national team is higher 
with all due respect to the US men's national team. For example, you've got the likes of Harry Kane in front of you and various other top players that you're going to struggle to get above. And in the US team, the competition is probably less. You know, it's not the first sport in the United States. MLS fans will be the first people to tell you that it isn't of the same standing. It isn't of the same standard. So we get that. I'm cool with that. That's fine. But I think just having a player who could potentially go on and be the poster boy, as I say, of, of US soccer is is commercially worth so much. I think it's a real um, sort of positive. I think it's something that clubs will look at. Clubs will feel they can generate uh, more revenue off your back, basically, because of that. Um, you know, you, you imagine, let's say Arsenal went on tour to the United States, as they have been doing um, over you know, the last few seasons with the US men's national team's top striker. Imagine how much more of a buzz that creates. And there's already an incredible buzz, but imagine how much more that adds to the thing. And imagine how many shirts would be sold. Commercially, I think this is a massive, massive deal because the US market is a huge market in terms of Premier League football. And, you know, you saw it with Christian Pulisic when he came to Chelsea. I don't think that necessarily, you know... I don't think that Chelsea would have paid what they paid for him if they didn't believe that that element had a lot of value and a lot of weight and that he had a lot of gravitas as a result of that. So I think that's played a big part in Chelsea doing that deal. Has it really worked out from a football standpoint? Probably not, but that's the risk you take, right? But I think from a commercial standpoint, it convinced Chelsea to go that extra mile to make sure they got that deal done. Even if you think that they overpaid, they probably made a lot of it back and they probably feel like it was a maybe not completely worthwhile investment, but an investment that um, certainly brought back more reward than than what they saw just on the football pitch. So that's my opinion um, on uh, on following Balogun's declaration for the US men's national team and, and obviously wish him all the best in the future. Um, just moving on quickly, uh, reports today that Arsenal have opened contract talks with uh, their Norwegian captain, Martin Erdegaard, um, he's had a fantastic season. He really has. He's taken his game up to a totally different level. I've been so impressed by him. Um, there's been a few games where he hasn't been at his best, but you can say that of everyone pretty much in the Premier League, uh, with the exception of maybe Erling Haaland, who just scores for fun. You know, that happens. You know, you're not going to be at your best 38 out of 38 times. That's how it goes. But overall, it's had a massive impact on Arsenal. He... Uh, currently has two years remaining on his deal, from what I understand, with the club holding an option to add a further year on that as well. So in essence, it's three years uh, that Arsenal have him tied down for. But what we're hearing is that Arsenal are looking uh, to um, to sort of give him a, a longer term contract, but also a contract that probably better reflects his status as one of the Premier League's best players right now. Um, and that's Arsenal being proactive. You know, so far this season, Gabriel and Martinelli have signed new deals. We hear that Ramsdale has signed a new deal. We hear that Bukayo Saka has agreed a new deal. We know that talks are ongoing with William Saliba as well. So it's great to see Arsenal being proactive in terms of trying to keep a hold of and tie down the players that have been critical uh, to their sort of progression over the last sort of 12, 18 months. So um, that's what the reports are saying at the moment. Nothing really concrete on that with regards to how those talks are going. Uh, we're at the point where we're hearing 
uh, that it is um, it is something that Arsenal are trying to get done, and hopefully that will that will be concluded sooner rather than later. The other story I just quickly wanted to touch on um, was re- with regards to PSV Eindhoven's Xavi Simmons, a player that's been talked about um, as a potential Arsenal signing for a little while now. I think we heard this last summer as well um, when it comes to uh, Xavi Simmons. Um, but um, uh, but yeah, I, you know, let me just then bring up his stats so far this season. Sorry, I got distracted there by um, a uh, a call. Hold on a second. Let me just um, bring up his details here. Okay, so uh, so yeah, one second. Sorry, guys. Someone giving me a heart attack that my kid ain't been picked up from school. Jesus Christ. Um, anyway, uh, look at his Eredivisie stats uh, right now. 32 appearances, 16 goals, 9 assists. 25 direct goal contributions in 32 games. He's been in the starting 11 100% of the time for PSV, uh, which shows that he is uh, available a lot. He's participated in 30% of their total goals. He's got a goal and an assist in the Europa League. Uh, made a couple of appearances in the Champions League as well. So this is very much a player that is ripe, a player that I think, um, you know, would be a good signing for someone on the continent. But what I want to make clear on this story is that there is no suggestion that this is advanced or that any talks have even taken place. What this is being driven by is the fact that Javi Simmons has changed agency. Um, and as a result of changing agency, um, it, it's it's being said that his name is being put out uh, to a number of different clubs who may or may not be interested with Arsenal being one of them. Don't know that this is a deal we'll do. Don't know that this is a deal Arsenal are even interested in doing. But these reports have gathered pace over the last few days because of that change of agency. Often we see that, don't we? Um, we see that players who uh, change agents get linked with transfers. New agents come in. They want to make an impact, don't they? They want to show that you are right to change your representation, whether that be by A, um, going and getting you a move that you want, or B, getting you a new contract. And sometimes some of this kind of jostling behind the scenes and, and sort of uh, juggling of stuff can be because you are trying to um, you, you are trying to prompt the current employer, the current club, into offering a better contract. But hey, um, yeah. That's that's what I believe to be the case with the Xavi Simmons one. We'll we'll see over the summer if that develops into anything else. Uh, I'll take a couple of questions uh, before I jump off. Um, what else have we got? Halor says, uh, Harry, both Saliba Saka holding and Jorginho's contracts run out next year. Is it too much to ask for that things get sorted out quickly, especially when you think about our history? Um, from what we understand, the Saliba chat is ongoing. The Saka thing is, from what we hear, kind of done. Rob Holding, do you want to give him a new contract? I personally don't. Jorginho, probably not either. Um, so I think we've learned our lesson. We talked about it already. We're being proactive. Um, you know, we're being proactive in, in terms of contracts. And, and that's a good thing. We've certainly learned lessons from the past. You feel might not always be as cut and dry though these things because you know for us it's yeah go out there do that deal make them sign that contract we don't always get the 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 response that we want from the other side 
they'll obviously hold out for the best offer that they can possibly get. These negotiations involve a lot of money and are very, very complex. And I think that's sometimes overlooked when people go, why haven't we got our business done in the first week of the transfer window? Um, but I agree with you. You know, there are situations that need addressing. The ones that we want to be keeping, Arsenal are across that already. We know that. So um, fingers crossed we get the outcomes that we want. Uh, Sko says, Lakonga to Burnley. Thoughts? Is that a thing? Is that a story? I haven't seen that this morning. Um I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. I'm wondering if that is a story being driven by the fact that Vincent Company has been quite um, vocal in his in his praise for Lokonga in the past. Maybe, um, you know, maybe that that will lead to him showing an interest in the player if Arsenal give an indication that they're willing to sell, which I think they they probably will. But again, just a prediction from me. Uh, Yoram says, with Xhaka potentially going, Smith Rowe was reported to have been learning his position. Has this been in the pipeline for a while then? It might have been. You know, it might have been decided at the start of the season that this was going to be Granit Xhaka's final year in Arsenal colours. We, we won't know really, will we? Um, but yeah, um, you know, there's a good chance that Arsenal have been aware of this for a while and that Arsenal saw Emile Smith-Rowe's future in that position, in that role. Maybe the fact that he's learning that role and probably isn't quite ready to play it just yet has been a contributing factor in the lack of game time he's had since returning from injury. It, it does make sense, but again, it's not something uh, I know for sure. Right, going to leave it there. Uh, thank you all so, so much uh, for tuning in. As always, don't forget to leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. Subscribe uh, to the channel uh, if your brand's banking you as well. Uh, it really, really does help. And if you're listening on the audio, then please do leave us a review. I'll catch you all next time. Until then, take care. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.